0: Hey
1: guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, uh, Marisa Van Skyver. And she is a uh, digital marketer, she's an entrepreneur, and she's going to talk to us all about website design and all the intricacies around running a web based business. And just for the audience out there, um, there's construction going on, so we live in COVID, and I'll do my best to minimize those sounds, either uh, through editing, and I'm happy to welcome Marisa to the show. Welcome, Marisa.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, you have a very interesting skill set and background, and um, that is you know, helping clients build these digital assets, and um, it could be web- mostly websites, but kind of talk about, um, you've had a fascinating journey, you learned coding, now you're a web developer educator. So kind of share how your early passion influenced you to go into this business.
0: Sure. I was 13 um, when I decided to start to learn how to code. Um, So full disclosure, my older brother is a software developer, and he was learning as a teenager, too. This is, you know, the 90s, the early 2000s, and I watched him like build a career right out of high school with you know, no formal education. I was like, well, that looks interesting. Um, how can I learn this? And then I discovered that I really enjoyed it. Um, but coding was always going to be my hobby in my head um, because I really love stories. I love English. So I went to school and <laughs> got a bachelor's and a master's in literature. Very helpful as a coder. Um, but It's funny because I've talked to a few people over the years about my non-traditional coding background, because I joke that coding paid my college tuition, um, because I always had a coding job throughout college, um, was that those who are more artistic tend to think about code a little differently than those who approach it from a mere like computer science approach. So I think more about the end user, I think, than not everybody, but you know, that it helps me think about the end user in a little different way, how they're going to use the website, who else is going to look at this code, how is this going to get used? And so I think my kind of non-traditional approach has helped me be an overall better coder because I also think about too, like, what's the copy on the page? What's the purpose of this website? What are we trying to do here? What's the future of all of these things? Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little strange when I tell people that, I've been coding now for 23 years, which I really hate putting that number out there. (laughs) Like, I'm only 36. I swear, it sells worse than what it is. Um, And I started, you know, working in marketing like at 16, 18, you know, but at the same time, like, it's just been great because I have this vast experience of seeing how the world has changed and not changed at the same time and how it's always been about the user.
1: Yeah, really interesting. And at the core of it, it's web accessibility. And your story of um, using coding to pay your college tuition reminds me of um, there was a gentleman. Um, he learned to play poker, Carl Icahn, uh, during college, and you know his parents wanted him to be pre-med, but um, he learned how to play poker, and that in that, and he he made a lot of money during college playing poker, and he used that to fund his. Tuition and eventually went into you know, investing. You kind know, of, In your opinion, what are the most critical yet often overlooked aspects of making a website accessible and kind of share examples where web accessibility enhancement impacted a client's audience, reach, or business?
0: Sure. So for a lot of people, they think accessibility means they can view a website on, say, a phone or a tablet or computer. Um, and so I'm, I'm an adjunct instructor at Wichita State. I teach digital marketing and we have this problem every semester where it's like, no, it's about somebody who has, you know, different abilities. So visual impairments, ADHD, autism, um, even hearing impairments, they're going to interact with the Internet in a vastly different way um, than what we think of as our as our personal norm, Right. So when we build for accessibility we're thinking about how anybody is using this website and that could be as simple as adding captions closed captionings to your vi- to your videos that you're putting on your website to you know Instagram things like that um it could be as simple as adding alternative text tags so WordPress Wix Squarespace they all give you a little box where you can describe the image and then that image gets repeated back to somebody who's using like a screen reader, but it also it helps SEO because that's how Google knows what's in that picture too. So there's lots of these things that are very simple, um, but it's also about just keeping everything simple too. A lot of the best practices with accessibility, like. Keeping your text at a a lower reading level. Thinking about eighth grade reading level, eighth to eleventh grade is usually what they tell you to aim for because somebody with dyslexia needs to also be able to skim it easily. Um, All of these things that when you start thinking about it, it's like, oh, I'm just keeping everything really simple, which I call the KISS principle. It's a pretty common (laughs) phrase. I tell my students that it's keep it simple, stupid. Because you have to remind yourself to keep it simple, but it's also like keep it super simple is what a lot of people use that phrase for. And for accessibility, you know, you avoid flashing lights, you avoid big page load, you avoid long videos with no captions, you avoid, you know, just podcasts with no transcripts, you know, things like that. You just have to think about, okay, if if somebody can't listen to this, how can I still get them to be able to, you know look at or read this content or understand what I'm trying to say to them because 20 to 25% of people in the U S just the United States have a disability. And so when you're cutting off 25% of your audience, you know, you're thinking about the fact that you're losing out on a huge chunk of people, um, which is sad when you think about the fact that we like, it's something like 0.02%. Or 002% 0, 0, of websites in the internet are fully accessible. So it's a very low bar to do better than your competitors because almost, almost no one is, right? And we are working with a client right now, they're a health university and making things more accessible. They're adding other programs. It's helped improve. I mean, more than anything. Over this last year alone, you know, we did a lot of other work. But including accessibility, we had 76% more hits from Google just in this last year. So accessibility can help improve your SEO, can help improve people coming to your website, bringing in more traffic, because it's easier to find when you're following these best practices too.
1: Yeah, really interesting. One thing that's uh, quite interesting is... um, you talk about, you know, websites and I view these as kind of like digital assets or digital real estate, because, you know, you can create a website from not, you just need a host and, you know, you, get, you have a really great design, which you can hire. And then uh, mm-hmm. basically unique ways to drive traffic to your business. So how do you, that I'm just curious when you say unique ways, what, what are your thoughts and elaborate on that?
0: On unique ways of driving traffic to your business? Yeah. um, So I think for a lot of people, they the only thing they think about is social media. Um, Judging from my bless their hearts, my students who typically because they're undergrads, you know, are in their early 20s. But they think that is the only thing in digital marketing that drives traffic to a website. And actually, social media doesn't drive traffic. The whole point of a social media account is to keep people on on their app right they don't like it when you send somebody off their app to a website so they tend to give those kinds of posts a lower reach but when you are using email marketing when you're using seo which just means telling google what's on your website building some trust with other people that are linking to your content creating pages designed to answer the questions that your customers have right that they're literally typing into google Then they land on your page with the answer to that problem. So the whole idea of bringing people to your website is less about the shiny, (laughs) you know, posting that five second reel. That's not really going to do it. Very, very rarely are you going to get anybody on your website from posting a reel. But when you're looking at the things that a lot of us discount, like email marketing, which has a 3600% ROI for every $36, every dollar you spend, you get 36 back, like just absolutely ridiculous but when you think too about just using your website itself to drive that traffic creating content that people care about so podcasts like this where you can create a, do a podcast and then write a blog summary where they can come listen to the podcast or find the links directly to the podcast episode within your blog, then you're hitting it with a Google search, you're driving traffic from maybe an email list, or you're telling them about a new episode. Um, You are also, you know, much more likely to get somebody off of social media to your website to go read something interesting and educational than you are to be like, go buy this thing. And then, you know, lead captures too, ways where you can give somebody a little something for free, so you encourage them to visit your website to get this free value. And then you've moved them into your email list. You continue to encourage them back to your website. And all of these things, I feel like people are really, we forget that they exist, but this is what, when you are driving and millions of dollars into your business, that's exactly what's, what you're doing. You're not gonna make that kind of revenue just posting on social media.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. And um, cause I was, I, read, I recently read, um, an an audio or listen to an audio book by Alex Hormozzi, and he was saying that mm-hmm. the greatest ROI is through uh, marketing, and if you can do it correctly, either um through um like uh, social media marketing or um you know Facebook ads, Instagram ads, um like you're you're talking about thirty six hundred ROI percent. That's like a thirty six x, and you know very rarely do you find that in like stocks, or you know you may find that in like um you know, digital assets, but you know, that's, you know, you're speculating, but, um, very interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like with the nice thing about email and with a marketing or selling something that's very tangible that you can repeat and you have more control over than you know, something like stocks or real estate or anything else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it all comes down to what I find is it comes down to websites, traffic, email, Like a newsletter, something you own, a blog, a podcast. Um, these things are assets where it's like word of mouth. You drive traffic. You use social media. You know, and then you kind of use like YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You know, these things to kind of add spice to it. But you Mm -hmm. know, core is so. The other question I had, which was really interesting, when I was um reading, is what are most people missing on their website and what are some very quick ways to improve that
0: yeah i think a lot of people are missing clear calls to action i mean it sounds so simple but i was listening to a podcast um i believe with the story brand team last year and they shared that something like 70 percent of small business websites don't have any kind of calls to action which means People are getting to your website and they're reading the page, they're scrolling through, and then they have no idea what you want them to do next. They have no idea if they're supposed to send you an email, if they're supposed to buy something direct. They just kind of go, okay, that's cool. And then they go back to Google because they don't know how to work with you. So quite simply, the easiest thing you can do is, is tell people, okay, what's next? What do you want me to do? Like I've looked at your website, it looks great. And it can be as easy as you have a good paragraph of text, you know, some bullet points, but what it's like to work with you. Maybe you talk about a service, and then you just add a button, contact us. Right? If you want them to go to your contact form, tell them to go to your contact form. Um, I use a very clear, in a lot of the websites, I design calls to action at the bottom of a page where you legitimately cannot miss it. It tends to tape up, take up a good section where it says, you know, if you want these results, this is what I want you to do. And then we tell them exactly what to go do. It might be contact, it might be book a call, it might be buy it now, you know, kind of thing. Um And then another great one, especially for service-based businesses or somebody who has one thing that they're trying to get people to do. So if you want them to buy one specific product or you want them to sign up for one, like if it's a SaaS service, you want them to get a free trial. If it is literally, I want you to book a call with me so I can vet you as a customer, you can add an action button in the top right of your navigation. And tell them, this is what you, what I want you to do. you have noticed when you go to a lot of these programs where you have a login, they have the login button at the top, right? We are conditioned, right? To look for something there. So when you have, like on my website, I just have a simple book call, book a clarity call with me. And they can go right there and book a call and they, on any page of the website, they know exactly how to get there. But people are also uh, busy. They're not, I mean, that's the thing what most people misunderstand about anybody coming to your website. They don't care about it as much as you do, like ever. So don't make them work. Don't make them think about what you want them to do. So yes, you can have that there, but then have other calls to action throughout the page. So you make sure you remind them like, okay, hey, you like this? Come work with us. This is how you work with us. So I mean, very simple, but highly effective way to increase conversions on your website is literally tell them what to do next.
1: Yeah, really interesting. And then now that we're on to this idea of call to action, when somebody comes to your website, and it's there's a call to action, you know, uh, what are key elements besides that, in a website to effectively convert visitors to leads? And what are some of the most common mistakes you see businesses that hinder their potential?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is not speaking in a language that your customer understands, right? They you're using technical jargon, so I I call this industry jargon, right? Like where you know exactly what you mean, but your client doesn't. And this is also where people make have a big messed up with SEO because they're trying to get keywords that are very technical to them, but nobody is putting those into Google. Nobody is searching them. Your competitors are, <laughs> like your competitors are searching for those, but your clients aren't. So you have to get in your client mentality and think about what they care about and what they want. The biggest, the easiest shift to this is to focus on the benefits of working with you and not the features. So a lot of people, and you'll see this a lot in like different SaaS companies where they list out all of these features. My product comes with XYZ, all of these things. That's great. But what does it do for me? right like why do i care about this so by literally telling people what the benefit is like this is what you're going to get this is the transformation you've started to create a picture in their head of oh i can get this if i click this button right my life can get easier i can save money i can save time i can um you know get help whatever it is whatever problem they're struggling with They know that if they click that buy now button, they're going to get that help that they're asking for um, because they know that you understand them and you understand the benefits. The other part of that, too, is being very careful to um, paint your business as a guide, someone who's going to guide them, someone who's going to help them do this thing. Right. We want to feel like the heroes in our own story. We want to feel like we have control over our lives and we are the main character. So our customer needs to feel like they're the main character, even when they come to our website. We're just there to make their lives easier. Even if that is as simple as, I'm gonna feed you a really good pizza. You know, like it doesn't have to be overly complex what you're doing for somebody, but as long as you understand this is their pain point and this is what they're trying to fix, you can shift your content to encourage them to very quickly choose to work with you when it all matches up, right, you can have a poorly designed website. But if the content if the copy is just dialed in, I mean, it will convert people will buy from you, because they believe that you can help them.
1: Yeah, again, um, we're having construction. But the other question is, the next question is, um, because I know a lot of um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, and they're like, yeah, I have social media. I have a million followers on TikTok or whatever. I don't need a website. And so kind of play play the devil's advocate here and talk about mm-hmm. you know why you need a website, even though you may not convert it, but it's kind of um, talk about the importance of having a website.
0: I have, the best way that I can describe this to people is let's look at what's happened to Twitter in the last year. I mean, honestly, like when you are, when you are, putting all of your eggs in a social media basket. You are literally telling a billionaire who does not care about you or the experience that you have on the platform to control your revenue, right? They have 100% control over whether or not your content gets seen, whether or not you keep your account, whether or not you reach anybody whatsoever. Um, I mean, just this last week, Taylor Swift, there was a whole AI bad photo thing happening. So Twitter just, you couldn't search for Taylor Swift on Twitter for like a week until they figured out how to clean that up. Right. That's good. Like, I'm glad they put you know, bad things from getting out there, but that tells you what they can do. Right. And then you're like, let's look at Instagram. How many times has it changed in the last two or three years? Not only that I've heard multiple horror stories over the last like six months of, Instagram accounts with decently large followings that just randomly lose their account for one reason or another. It gets hacked. Supposedly, there's a security problem, whatever. And then it's gone, right? And TikTok, we keep trying to ban TikTok in the United States. If you have a million followers on TikTok and they finally come out and they say, "Okay, no more TikTok, what happens? And just... Facebook and Instagram have literally gone down for like 24 hours twice in the last three years. So there's all of these things that you can't control. But with a website, you own it, right? Not only that, you get to choose how it looks. You don't have to be beholden to whatever is in their platform and however it comes across. You choose exactly what that website looks like, you choose how people read the messaging, you choose exactly the content you want, you have control, more or less, of how people move through your website and how they read your story. But more than that, when somebody is working with you on social media, and especially if you're trying to sell them something, they want to see that you've invested in yourself. And the only way to really see that you've invested in yourself is to have a presence that you own and control. I'm very hesitant. I don't know if I've ever given anybody money that just has an Instagram account because I don't know if I'm actually gonna get that product later, right? But if you spend $20 a month to even have like a Squarespace website, that makes me feel a little bit better about giving you my money because I know that you're not gonna just disappear and run away with it. Like I'm probably gonna get my product. So there's a lot of trust built into that too. Um, but really just Gen Z, do you want to have a billionaire control your money? Because I don't I don't think you do. (laughs) I think that's the biggest takeaway is "Mm, we're not in control.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And um like I said, um I always I'm talking to the the smart ones and they're always um, you know, they use social media, but that's like just a part of it. It's not they're not putting yeah, it's it's your ones.
0: it's your amplifier, right? Like that that's where you can go get your message out to more people in a colder audience a lot faster. But it when you have all your eggs in that basket. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is building an underground bunker with wi Beef in Hawaii. He doesn't care about whether or not you made money on Facebook last month like <laughs> whatsoever.
1: How can people find out more about you and the work that you do and kind of balance between do it yourself and, you know, a professional Uh, Website designer.
0: Yeah, sure. So I am Captain Coder. That is my business name. It was a years long nickname that I was like, I just have to, I mean, lean into it. If you're watching this on video, you can see my background of nerd culture (laughs) on the walls. And I am at captcoder.com. I'm Captain Coder on Instagram. You can follow me there, Um, Marisa Vanskyver on LinkedIn. Um, And one of the great ways to kind of understand how we work is to, I have a free guide. Do you mind if I share that? Sure. Yeah. So you can go to cappedcoder.com forward slash leads, and it will tell you how to get 10, 10 strategies to get more leads out of your website and changes that you can make on your own. I fully believe in a custom website is going to get you the best return on investment, but not everybody is there yet. Right. And so I have, I have guides like these that I released on a on a regular basis and other ways that you can work with us to improve your existing website until you're ready to kind of go all in and build a true foundation for your digital business.
1: Yeah, for all the audience out there, let's thank Marisa for coming on. Um, like I said, I've always been fascinated with websites, SEO, email marketing, all these very traditional, very powerful. And if you can really drive traffic and provide a lot of value. You know, you have those customers for a long time. And uh, be sure to follow her on and give her a like on all her socials as well as her offer. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much for having me.